Hey everybody, um, this week, I know I say this a lot, but I'm actually pretty excited to have this little session with you guys this week because um, I want to share some reflections that are pretty fresh for me on um, what we need to know and what we need to realize if we don't feel worthy of love. Um, if you are currently feeling alone, if you're feeling unlovable, if you feel lonely, um, if you feel continuously like you just don't have the level of connection that you want to have with other people, I think that this will be very useful for you. So uh, in case you don't know who I am, my name is Ty Hicks, founder of mentalhealthcoaching.com um, and the SSS conditioning method. We help people typically reduce anxiety and depression by about 75% in about 90 days on average. And uh, we put this content out there because we want everybody to have good mental health and support everyone uh, who needs the assistance. So the first big thing that I, I wanted to share, the, the, the inspiration for today's lesson was I had a session with a client that was very powerful. And I kind of did this intervention with her where she was feeling very much in despair. And uh, as is the case, a lot of the times in my career, sometimes when I'm just focused in the zone trying to help somebody, the words kind of come out of me without me even kind of thinking about what it is that I need to say or what I need to do in advance. You're probably the same way where you can get into flow if you are just trying to help other people or you just focus on the task at hand. And um, this was just one of those sessions that really impacted me because it, it helped me realize something that I think I'm gonna impart to pretty much every one of my other clients as well. And so, little context, um, you know, she, very much like all of us uh, at all sorts of things, uh, will have challenges with feeling worthy, feeling good enough. And so what I've learned over my career is that there are essentially two major fears that all human beings have that drive mental health problems. The first fear is that we are not good enough. And then the second fear is that we will not be loved. And so that's where the first fear comes up of, am I good enough? And so what I've learned over the years is anytime somebody has got a particularly a depression issue, and usually two thirds of the time when they've got an anxiety issue, it's usually because deep down that person is not feeling quote, good enough, meaning that there are a series of expectations that they have put onto themselves that they don't feel like they're matching up with. And uh, as I've shared in one of my previous lessons, the formula for peace of mind is when our life conditions match our expectations. When we feel that our life is not matching up with our expectations a small amount, we will feel things like stressed out. When we feel like there is a big giant deviation between how our life is and how we expect our life to be, then we can feel very anxious or very sad and when we feel like that disconnect between how our life is and how we expect our life to be is unbridgeable, when we feel like it's unsolvable, then we'll tend to feel things like depressed, maybe even suicidal. And so the very most common set of expectations that we will have that are unmet usually are the expectations that we put on ourselves. So we all tend to have a sort of story or narrative of who it is that we think that we have to be in order to be worthy of love. And I just recently turned this into a specific framework that I call the, the archetypes. And I'll share with you a couple of them. One of the archetypes is the perfectionist. Um, so the perfectionist is essentially the idea that uh, in order to be worthy of love and in order to secure 
um, the love that we desire from our parents or our peers or from our spouses or whomever, that we have to be totally perfect without any flaws. Another one of the archetypes is being the pleaser. So this comes about when people grow up in an environment where they feel like they can't really show emotion or they feel like they can't upset other people um, and they get very punished whenever um, they do something that upsets somebody else. And so what they do is they learn, okay, well, anytime I displease mom or dad, I get really punished and love gets taken away from me. I don't want love to get taken away from me, so I guess I need to learn how to please people. And that develops into this kind of psychosis later on in life where all of a sudden we are relentlessly, obsessively trying to please everybody all the time, and that becomes an issue. So this client of mine was feeling highly reactive to her friendships. She felt very alone. She was having relationships with friends that she would continuously sabotage because she would feel very offended and disrespected, and then she would kind of lash out at the person. And then she realized after four or five times of doing this that she had been like this her whole life and that if she kept doing things like that, she was going to end up feeling totally alone. And so she hired me to help her figure out what was going on. And so at the root of it, what we learned is that she had a very deep fear of not being good enough and not being worthy of love. And so because she had this deep, deep fear of not being good enough and not being worthy of love, she was craving validation from the outside world. She was craving other people to act in accordance with her very high expectations in order for her to feel validated. She had developed too much of what we call an external frame of reference for her self-worth. And so all of the, her power, all of her personal power, she had kind of given to other people. And she had all these expectations of, you know, my friends need to always invite me every time they do a gathering. Um, whenever there's an argument in our friend group, you know, they need to take my side over the other person's. Um, they should spend more time with me than their other friends, things of that nature. So they had this big, long list of expectations. And at the core of it, the reason she had come up with these expectations that she put onto other people was because she just didn't feel good enough in her core, right? Think about it. The less secure we feel, the more tempting it is for us to put additional expectations on other people. And I've found that to be true pretty much with every client I've ever seen um, and myself as well. So we had this session a couple of weeks ago where we got into this very powerful mode because essentially we were addressing the question of what do you have to do to be good enough to be loved, right? She was asking me that question directly. I was taking her through this process. I always take my clients through, we call it the values clarification process. And, in, and what she realized is she didn't want to have the old value guiding her life of requiring to feel significant and important. She wanted love to be at the top of her list, but she was still hung up on this idea of being worthy enough, feeling worthy enough for love. And she was making all of these goals and plans of like, well, I'm going to grow a business and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. So that way I can feel important and worthy of love. And I was like, no, 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 you're missing it. You don't need to be chasing down worthiness and importance. And so she asked me, okay, well, how do I, how do I feel worthy of love? And so what I asked her is exactly what I want to ask you right now, right? If you, particularly if you've not been feeling worthy of love. Think of an infant, okay? Think of like a brand new, you know, baby, right, uh, that, that is born. Would you say that that infant is worthy of love? What do you think? 
most of you, probably 99 out of 100 of you, are going to say, yeah, of course that infant deserves love. Right? And I asked her the same question, and she said yes. I said, okay, interesting. So what is it that makes that infant worthy of love then? Right? Why should the baby be loved? What makes them worthy of love? What makes a person worthy of love? It was the first question I asked her. And she came back by saying, well, a person is worthy of love because of their abilities. And I said, okay, well, that's interesting. Does an infant have any abilities? She said, uh, no, I guess not. I said, well, yeah, the infant can't take care of itself, right? The infant is completely, totally reliant on other people, has no ability to contribute anything else, you know, to other people, really, except its own presence. So is it really that, you know, people have to have a certain ability in order to be worthy of love? I also asked her, because she has a son, I think around 10 or 12 years old. And I said, you know, if your son didn't have the same ability that another child at his school had, like, let's say, for example, you know, God forbid, if he had a, a bad accident, if he were paralyzed, for example, and the other children were not, would he be less worthy of love because he has less abilities than other kids? And she said, no, of course not. I said, oh, okay, great. So then it sounds like it's not people's abilities that makes them worthy of love, is it? And she said, yeah, I guess not. I said, okay, great. Well, then what is it that you think makes people worthy of love then if it's not their abilities? And she thought for a second and she said, well, it's the future potential abilities that they're going to have. Right. Which so now she's taking, you know, these two little counter examples I gave her into account and she's trying to, you know, struggle with it. She said, yeah, they're future abilities. I said, OK, interesting. Well, let me ask you this. If there was a child, let's say, and they were born with a permanent disability. Right. And they're never going to be able to walk or they're never going to be able to read or they're never going to be able to speak or there's just some certain limitations to their abilities that are never going to take place. Is that child less worthy of love than a different child who doesn't have those disabilities? And so that was a conundrum for her, too. She was like, man, I don't really know, right? Because her old model of the world was so much built around this idea of needing to be like an achiever, <coughs> which I could relate to because that was my old archetype, too. Right. I thought because when I was growing up, I got rewarded and I got praised and I got acknowledged by my parents when I did things really exceptionally, like I got an A plus or I went the extra mile or anything of that nature. Right. And that was rewarded and acknowledged. So I built this identity of I got to be an achiever. Right. And to some degree, that is still an insecurity I have every so often. And so she had that, too, really, really deeply. So she was still trying to come up with this definition of what it takes for somebody to be worthy based off their achievements. But finally, I got her to realize that it doesn't have to do with their abilities. All right? And uh, she, she said something to the effect, I think her next response was, okay, well, what makes someone worthy of love is if they are loving to others. I said, okay, that's an interesting idea. But let's take a look at something. Your, your son, for example, is he always loving to you? Is he always in a good emotional state? She said, no, of course not. I said, oh, okay. So is he less worthy of love when he's in a bad emotional state and he's not being loving towards you? As opposed to the times when he is loving towards you? Are we only deserving of love when we are being loving to others? What about the infant? The infant isn't really being loving. The infant is just relying on the human being around them to take care of them. 
And she realized that that just didn't really make any sense too. And so when I finally got her to stare this in the face, what I got her to realize is that an infant or her son or anybody is worthy of love just because they exist. And it took me several years for me to arrive at this conclusion, but I've realized that it's really true. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, be, it doesn't mean we are entitled to love. I'm not a believer in entitlement mentality because entitlement mentality creates very bad mental health. Entitlement mentality is you does, you need to love me. And particularly when people embrace this mentality, it's like you need to love me in the way I need to be loved. And that becomes a pretty toxic, bad attitude, right, to endorse most of the time. I think that in some cases, there are some legitimate needs you need to be able to kind of stand firm on and recognize that you need to look after yourself. But it's the more we get into entitlement mentality and the more we put expectations on other people about how they need to treat us, how they need to love us, the worse off we get, typically, and the more alone and ostracized we feel. And so when I'm saying that an infant or a child or you, whoever you are listening to this, watching this video, seeing this lesson here, whoever you are in the world, I'm saying, yes, you are deserving of love just because you exist. That doesn't mean you are entitled to love. It doesn't mean that you should get yourself all hellbent and upset and argumentative when people don't love you the way that you want to be loved. Right? These are two separate ideas. It just means that you need to, I would encourage you, I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. I'm going to invite you to consider that you can stop trying to chase down this particular idea of who you think you should be in order to prove your worth and in order to prove that you are worthy of love and that you are deserving of it. What I'm inviting you to consider is that all living beings are worthy of love. Right? That you are worthy of love just because you exist. Now, that doesn't give you a blank check to go be mean to people and be rude and say, hey, even though I'm rude to you, I'm worthy of love. Right? That's manipulation. Right? I'm not a fan of that. I'm just addressing the mentality that I'm sure you probably get yourself into from time to time where you measure yourself against this perceived, imagined mental construct of who it is that you think that you have to be, whether it is a perfectionist, whether it is being an achiever, whether it is being a people pleaser, whether it is being the top of your class, whether it is being super smart, whether it is being a caretaker of everyone in your family. Every single client I've ever helped eliminate anxiety or depression, we've always had to create a symmetry between how they expect life to be, how they expect their, themselves to be especially, so their expectations, and how their life is. If you continue to hold on to this ideal of who it is you think you have to be, it's very unlikely that you're ever going to feel loved. And if you can simply just recognize that you don't have anything to prove to anybody, except maybe yourself, but I mean, but that's more just in the sense of enjoying the challenge of the game of life, like growing and embracing the opportunity that you have in life to become more and grow into more than who you currently are right now. But who you are currently right now is more than enough to be deserving of love. Just because we feel an innate desire and urge to grow and expand, that's a very healthy thing, but that doesn't mean that who you are right now is inherently not sufficient. And I've had clients who are in their like 60s or 70s and they've been chasing down this idea of who they think they have to be their whole damn life. 
And then it finally dawns on them that they've been doing it for 30 or 40 years. And so if they keep trying to make themselves match up to this ideal of who they think they have to be, they will forever feel unloved all the way down to their deathbed. And they'll realize they wasted their whole life chasing after, trying to match themselves up with this imaginary ideal that was a total fiction of their own creation. A total fiction that was created based off the initial associations that they built as a child of who they thought they had to be in order to secure their parents' love. And they held on to that fiction and that delusion and they constantly tried to compare themselves to it. That's how most people live their lives. And it's probably to some degree how you're living your life right now. And you don't need to do that. You can let that go. You can let go of the constant comparison in your mind to your ideal. Okay, there's a, a training I did a while back. We called it the 20 ways to get stuck. And one of the ways that we can get stuck mentally is we can get stuck in our ideals, right? In particular, our ideals about ourselves and who we ought to be, who we think we have to be, right? So it takes practice and I'll admit that I'm not perfect at this either because I think even though I haven't felt depressed for a very long time, a decade and a half, there have been moments in the past couple of years where I've felt stressed or insecure. And I realize to a large degree that that still comes about because I'm chasing down this idea of who I think I have to be, to be worthy enough. Like I think I have to make this big giant contribution in the world and I really need to impact society. And that if I don't do that, that I wasted my time and that, you know, I just consumed resources while I was on this planet and I didn't pay it forward. And that's been my like overall belief system for as long as I can remember. And that's caused me a lot of pain from time to time. But what I'm learning to do is to not compare who I am right here, right now to this ideal of who I think I quote should be right here, right now, but rather to be excited and grateful for the fact that I'm doing what I can right here, right now for the people I care about and that I can continue to grow closer and closer towards my ultimate goals, but without sacrificing my sense of self-worth, without putting my sense of self-worth up for negotiation. And that's what I would encourage you to do as well, is continue to grow, continue to expand, continue to go forward towards what you really want, but drop drop this act of trying to pretend to be the person you think you have to be, right? The fastest way to be miserable is to try to live life as someone other than who you really are. So if you're trying to live your life as a perfectionist and you're not perfect, you're going to be miserable. If you're trying to be the super giant achiever and that's not what you want to do with your life, you're going to be miserable, right? If you try to be someone who shows no negative emotions all the time because that's what you thought you had to be, you're going to be miserable because you're going to have emotions from time to time. Drop the act. It's like you've been trying to rehearse for this role in a play that you were never meant to play, right? That's not really who you are. And if we can just drop the act and let go of this idea that we have to meet a certain set of criteria, that there is some arbitrary set of boxes that we have to check in order to then magically feel, oh, now I feel good enough and I'm worthy of love. That is a fruitless endeavor. So much better to uh, look at yourself in it think of yourself, I, I did this little meditation with a client recently, and I did this with her, and it, it came to me, and, you know, I'll be honest that I've always heard of this stuff like inner child work, and I always thought it was kind of cheesy and all of this, but what I realized is that we as human beings are much more loving towards children than we are adults, because we put less expectations 
on children than we do adults. So we find it so much easier to be loving towards them. So what I had my client do, and I'll invite you to do this right now too, if you'd like to, because I think you might find it to be a valuable experience, but what I invited her to do is to close her eyes. And I said, I want you to imagine yourself as a child at about the age of maybe 10 years old. And I want you to remember what you were feeling as a child when you were 10 years old. Imagine that your 10-year-old version of you is right in front of you and kind of empathize and compassionately get associated to what that version of you is feeling. Because chances are they were just craving love. You know, They were craving a sense of security, a sense of predictability, a sense of safety, a sense of reliability. And I just want you to extend love to that version of yourself. Like go give that 10-year-old version of yourself a big old hug and be loving to her. And so this may sound silly to you, but I, I will do this from time to time when I'm feeling particularly down on myself is I'll imagine myself as a kid and I'll imagine myself giving myself a hug and I'll just kind of say some encouraging words like, hey, you're a good kid. Like you're doing well, like you mean well, you're going in the right direction. You're going to figure it out. Trust in the process. Don't be so hard on yourself, right? It's so much easier for us to be loving to ourselves if we imagine ourselves as a kid. It just kind of gets through that part of our brain that wants to put all of these expectations on ourselves as an adult. And so you may find that helpful too, but I just want to remind you in case you forgot or in case you've never heard, you are enough. It's true. You know, I'm not trying to sound cheesy. I'm not trying to sound cliche because we all need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. There is no set of criteria that you need to check off in order to feel worthy of love. It is just a fiction that you have created in your life. You are trying to meet a set of expectations that you can literally learn to let go of. And you deserve to, because you deserve to feel loved. But it's not so much that other people aren't loving you. It's that you are not allowing yourself to feel loved because you do not feel worthy of it. And um, I just wanted to remind you of that. So anyway, I hope that story helps you. I hope that little meditation helps you. I want you to feel the love that you deserve to feel. And I've spent so many years of my life not feeling loved. And um, I don't want you to feel that way too. So you are, you are cared about. Okay. So anyway, I'd love to see your comments. Let us know what you think. And uh, I'll be excited to serve you guys um, soon next week. Take care for now. Bye.